Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Y'all doing good? That's good. It's good to see you today. I'm so excited to be here. We're wrapping up the series, but before we even kind of dive into the message today, um, it was interesting because I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I sent a text message to our creative team, or Justin, our worship pastor, and our creative director, Jocelyn Donnelly. I just said, hey, don't forget that this weekend's Memorial Day, and it, it triggered something into me um, because it's easy to forget um, what this weekend's about. We're going to get wrapped up. I was at the lake yesterday, and there was thousands of boats celebrating Memorial Day weekend, and Tomorrow, there's going to be all kinds of people, all kinds of parties. They're going to be making all kinds of food. And that's actually what happened with me. I was planning the menu for tomorrow. We're having family over and planning the menu. And I just stopped where I was at. I started reading this story. And I forgot about the, the privilege it is and the right it is to do what we do here every week was paved by somebody else. We're under the shade of a shade tree that somebody else planted years and years and years ago. Don't ever forget that. But the story was about a teacher, a fifth grade teacher in Arkansas, and she had her class come in one day, and it was the beginning of the school year, and they all walked in, and there was no desks in the, in the classroom. And so the kids started whining about not having a desk, and she said, I want you to tell me what, why you think you have the right to have a desk. Why do you have the privilege to have a desk? And for six or seven classes, so every class came in, and every class came to an empty room, and every class was asked the same question, tell me why. And they, the, 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 they gave all kinds of answers. There were answers like, you know, because my mom and dad pay taxes and, my, you know, all those kind of things that we see, you know, because we're rich or we live in, you know, we live in the hood, riverhood, that is. But, we, you know, we're, we're, wherever you live and all these answers were given and she kept saying, no, that's not it. And so at the end of the eighth period, uh, the doors flung open and through the doors were 27 veterans carrying desks. And she said, it's not even them that give you the right it's the people that died that they represent that gave us the right to do what we do. So don't forget that tomorrow. Take, peel out 30 minutes during the course of a day. It has impacted our church. We've had several people just because we're so close to Fort Gordon and Fort Gordon uh, has so many people here. We have had in this church, honestly, uh, watched family sacrifice. And so let's not make light of it. It's a big deal. We get to do what I get to do. I get to, I get to in a second, I'm gonna preach God's word and I get to do it because people that have gone before. So can you just do me one, just tomorrow at some point, say a prayer, do something, Get away from the, you know, the family for a second. Just remember that. So, And it's already been mentioned. Caleb mentioned it. We're in the third week of a series uh, about faith. And we've been talking about what it means to live in faith, what it looks like, and why faith-filled living, especially in the times we live in right now, are so important. Because it's easy kind of get bogged down and kind of get depressed in just the times of what we see going in the world around us. In the first message, Tracy did a phenomenal job of talking about what we, what we see and, and, and the aspects of our past, our present, and our future. And if our past is living, if we're always living in the negative and bitter, and if we're always living in what happened or what could have happened, we take that into our present. And what eventually happens is we take that and that becomes our future. So we don't have a lot of, of, a lot of blessings, a lot of things that God can do in our lives. But if we kind of change that up a little bit and we go, you know something? I'm gonna live in uh, forgiveness and I'm gonna live in, in plenty and I'm gonna live in blessings. We take that to our, our present and then and it has a huge impact. And what we talked about was this, what you see is what you get, right? So if you see negative, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get negative. But if you see positive things, that's what's going to happen in our lives. And last week, how many people were here? Uh, second service last week, this is this the 1045. How many people were here? 
If you were not here, I will tell you, in the 17 years at Journey, it ranks in the top five of all the services we've ever had at Journey. It wasn't an Easter service. It wasn't because we had, you know, blew up numbers. God showed up first thing first. God showed up. The second thing is we had baptisms last week. Um, and the way we do it is like, less you sign up and we had one for first service. No, I'm sorry. We had three or four for first service. We ended up baptizing three. We had one for second service. Uh, today we're baptizing, and I'll share this in a minute, we're baptizing down at Sherwood. So it's, an, it's a big day, right? Well, we had one person. So I baptized the one person and I opened my eyes, and when I opened my eyes up, there's this girl, this woman, not a girl, she's a woman, she's running down the aisle like to get baptized. And I'm thinking, well, that's pretty cool, right? So we dunk her in the dunk tank, right? So we, she comes up, and I turn around, and there's another young man running down. He looked like Jesus. He had real long hair, and I don't know if he's here. I think his name is Matthew. It was so cool last week. So he runs down, and he runs down, and I mean, he's shaking. He's telling me a story. He tells me, you know, that he's, he's had pain in his whole body, and it's the first time he's felt no pain in his body. And I'm like, oh my God, Jesus is here, right? He's showing up. So we dunk him. When I dunk him, I look up, and here comes another person running down. And I'm like, Okay, we got all day. I mean, like, I, I have no other place to be. You know, the Mexican restaurant's still gonna have a taco for me when I get there at some point, right? So it's just amazing, right? Well, then I, I open my eyes, and then another, a young woman comes down. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then just to top it off, my, my buddy Judson last week, he come running across the front, and Judson's, Judson's my buddy, okay? I say, hey, Judson. And so he's my buddy, right? So he comes running down across the front, and a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, Jesus messed his life up and got involved in his life, and he hasn't been the same since. It's just amazing what's going on. And I got to slam him underneath the water and left the old man down and the new man coming up. So it's one of those deals where like, but we talked about, right? We talked about what we say and what we say to our, you know, what we, I had two points. What, we, what do you say to yourself about yourself? Like, what are you speaking? And then what are you speaking into your situations? Like, what are you saying to yourself about yourself? And we looked at the story of, of David and how David handled the giant. And he didn't just kind of go, oh, it's a giant. No, he, he went, do you want some of this, right? He, he went all New Jersey on him, right? He was like, you know, come on, brother. You want some of this? Bring it on, right? So we talked about what you say is what you get. And this week is honestly going to be kind of the wrapping up. It's going to be my favorite one because I really feel like this is the most important thing because I think a lot of us in the church have gotten very complacent. Um, it's like this. Anybody ever just said, you know something, I want to get, I'm going to get physically fit. I want to get, I want to look a little bit better. Like COVID, I, I've put on the COVID whatever. Anybody else? I, I see some of you. Put your, raise your hands up. Just, 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 but, but it happens, right? It happens. You get to be my age, um, 55, the metabolism slows down. I, I wish I could look like Daryl all the time. I mean, he's like, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you know, he works out like 40 hours a week. And I mean, it's like, I can't do that. But I, I, it happened this past week. It actually happened yesterday, you know, to be honest. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get in better physical shape. I rode a bike the other, uh, last week. I rode eight miles. Like that was like, that, that's a big, don't laugh. It's a big deal. Like I was breathing heavy. Like, but I decided I've got these, I've got these Bowflex, um, these weights that you adjust the, so you can go from like five pounds to 35 pounds. And I've been looking at them for a year. They haven't done anything. And so yesterday I noticed there was like, there was pollen on it and there was all kinds of spider webs. So I decided what I was gonna do is I was gonna, I was gonna start. So this morning I got up, I was working on my message and I was by my boat where I usually go and the, the weights were right there. So I picked them up and then I put them right back down and I went back to my message and I thought, well, I look good, don't I? And so just, you know, but it doesn't happen. And 
Why is it that we think in our faith that we can, we can study God's word, we can go to a Bible study and we can maybe have a prayer time and we can maybe even, you know, we can serve a little bit. Well, we can write a check out and tithe and all that. And we're gonna be these spiritual giants. Like, I, I just don't, it's not like that. There's, there's something that God's requiring or God wants from us. And until we start to do that, we'll never understand. And so today I wanna talk about do something faith, doing something with our faith. That means we're walking the scriptures out, that we're living the scriptures out, we're applying them to our lives, but we're also doing something in the world we live in. We're not just, just as, you know, in our little holy huddles. And so Matthew chapter seven kind of sets the stage in verse 24. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, first service, I asked how many people be what wanted to be wise. Three people raised their hands up. So I'm expecting a whole bunch. How many people want to be wise in this room right here? Okay, so if you want to be wise, then we do what God says it takes to be wise, and it means we do the words. NIV says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. So it says, does them and then puts them in practice. So what we're seeing is it's not just seeing our faith. It's not just saying our faith. It's doing something with our faith. That means it requires an action. And what I'm going to kind of lay the baseline is it's the law of sowing and reaping. We've talked about this a lot at Journey that what you see is what you get, right? What you say is what you get. Well, that means what you do is what you get. And the measure that you do is the measure that you get back, the rewards that you get. Galatians chapter six, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, what does it say? They will also reap. For the one who sows in the flesh will, 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 will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from spirit reap eternal life. A couple months ago, I had a, I had a basket. And I talked about putting stuff in the basket. And, you know, you don't put, like, if you want apples, you don't put, like, orange seeds. If, or, if you want, you know, tomatoes, you don't put peppers. Whatever you sow is what you get and in the proportion that you sow. Now, we've seen this happen, right? We've seen the good. There's a good aspect. And today, I promise you, we're not going to talk about the negatives. We're going to talk about the good stuff today, okay? So we're going to hunt the good stuff. That's a friend of mine that's in the military. He says all the time, Bobby, hunt the good stuff. Hunt the so today, we're going to hunt the good stuff. But we've seen it in the media. We've seen it in the world we live in. People that sow corruption, they reap corruption. I've watched it. I've watched it with, with people that I've known in my own life, that they're always backbiting. They're always negative. They're talking behind people. You know, they're always doing You know what happens? That same sword that they wield is the same sword that they end up laying on. Because that's just, it's the sow, law of sowing and reaping. So let's take the other one. If we're sowing good things, we're sowing forgiveness and we're sowing grace and mercy and compassion and we're generous. If we're sowing those things, you know what we're gonna get back? And then some, right? We're gonna get all those things back. And then it says in verse nine of this, which it's interesting because it talks about doing the word. It talks about being a producer of something good. And then it says this, and let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season, we will reap. Now, now I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm, 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 I'm gonna lay it out today. The last year and a half have been tough. Anybody else? Okay. Like all kinds of tough. Like I've heard stories like my office, and I don't wanna like cross any lines or anything, but man, marriages are on the rocks because I think we spend so much time together and people are finding out they really don't like each other. <laughs> or, or their marriage is built on a, a bad foundation, Right? Um, addictions are through the roof. Um, just to be honest with you, suicide rates are going crazy. And I don't know that it's all because I don't want to, it's not all COVID, but, but being locked up and locked down has a lot to do with it. And then throw, throw racial tension in there, right? Like you can't flip a page anymore. You can't, 
open a website out without that being plastered right in front of your face. We're being cultured to think that there's nothing but negative in the world. And then on top of that, we had a political election this past year in November that, man, you want to talk about dividing lines. It literally divided families in half. And so you have all this tension, and then, and then the economy, and then we had, you know, we, had, we had the gas crisis last weekend here in Augusta that lasted like 12 minutes. <laughs> I mean, if people are at each other's throat, like, like I have never seen anything like it in my life. Like I've been 55 years old. I grew up in New Jersey when the snowstorm would come, there would still be bread on, on, the, on, on, on the shelves. Down here, man, if somebody says like, we're gonna have a snowflake, <laughs> holy cow. Well, tell somebody that there's not going to be any gas and like everybody goes bananas. And we're living in a world, honestly, it's almost the opposite of that verse nine where we're weary and well-doing. And we've gotten really tired in the midst of all this. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like I love having adult children, but I loved having small kids. Anybody else? Now, I know small kids had their, their issues and uh, big kids have their issues too. But... And, and, and maybe some of you are grandparents and you're at the same place. I'm longing to be a grandparent. Hint, hint. <laughs> so, anyone want to help out with that? That's great. So, um, but I, I remember this. And, and, and I didn't realize how much I missed it until I was reading a story about it. Remember when you're, if you have little small kids still or bigger kids, they jump off the side of the pool and they, they, they jump in your arms and they run around and they do it again and do it again. You know, or maybe it's a baseball. Like, I remember coming home from work. My kids are all athletic, and they want to shoot basketballs, and they would throw a bit, and do it again. Like, Daddy, 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 do it again. And you were tired. Like, it was a long day. You worked probably, you know, 10, 12 hours, and you have a taxing job, but you did it. Why? Because you knew that you couldn't get weary and well-doing. And I, I feel like, can I just be honest? I feel like a lot of us are tired. I feel like a lot of us have gone through a lot of stuff in this past year, and I want to encourage you, don't get weary and well-doing. Make it a prayer of yours. This has been my prayer for the last three weeks. God, rejuvenate me. Let me, let me, have, a, let me, have, let me have a lifestyle. Let me, have, let me have the vocabulary where I'm always saying, come on, God, let me do it again. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. Because I believe that's what's going to change this culture. And so today, that's literally what we're talking about. We're talking about this concept of do it again. And last week I talked about, and this is what I, like, I'm, this is all platform for where we're going to go. Last week we talked about, and I got so many emails and so many text messages about this one point. I didn't realize how big it was, but it says, I said this, I said, we got to get out of our fear and we got to get out of our feelings. Because you know what? Can I just let you know? Fear will lead you astray. Fear, fear literally stands, F-E-A-R, false evidence that appears real. And how many times you know when fear jumps into your life, so many times, it's not even real. It's not even something, it's, a lot of times it's not even something you can control. It's something that's out of your control. And then what happens is the fear gets you into your feelings and your feelings will lead you astray. It's like this, I, I feel like one person comes against me and it feels like the whole world's against me. You ever been like that? Or one person says something ugly about you and you, you take it like everybody in the church hates, hates Bobby. You know? And so it's one of those deals where, and I talked about, let's get in the facts. And the facts are this, that you're the more than the conqueror, that God can do great things through you, that he began a good work, is able to complete it, that God wants to do amazing, amazing things, that you're a brand new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And that's the facts that we gotta dive in. So today, I wanna look at the facts because it's really important because we need, because here's the deal. You know what happens? Is we forget. I think deep down inside of every one of us, we know God's in control. Deep down inside, deep down inside. 
But sometimes we forget it, don't we? We forget that, that, that seeing it and saying it and doing it lead us to that relationship with God. And so today, that's what I want to do. I want to dive into this concept of doing it. So today's big thought or your takeaway or whatever you want uh, to call it is, 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 is about this thing called faith. What you sow, okay, write this down. What you sow is what you get. So I want to talk about three positive things that if we intentionally try to put in our lives or we try to demonstrate to the world that, that we'll be doing something with our faith, it'll lead to something great, okay? So I'm gonna go to Luke chapter six, verse 27. Um, if you have a Bible, I'll give you a second to get there. This is what is known as the Sermon on the Plain. So you have the Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew, Sermon on the Plain. It's two different sermons, very similar concept. It's like this, a lot of people don't know this, that remember the, how many people remember the story? If you don't, it's fine. The feeding of the 5,000. How many people remember the story of feeding 5,000? Now, a lot of people don't know there's directly following that, there's a feeding of 4,000. And so we just take for you away, oh, that's the same story, and they, they got the number wrong. Two different stories. This is not the story of the Beatitudes or the preaching of the Beatitudes. This is a whole other message. Watch this, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on a cheek, Offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Okay, so that was an inner garment and an outer garment. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as, it, or, or, and, and, and as you wish that others would do to you, do to them also, right? We've all heard that one. That's, that's you know, the, the, the kind of the great, you know, like, woo, let's do it. Uh, some of us live with do unto others before they do unto you. That's not what scripture says. It says do unto others as you want them to do, all right? And so, so if you do good to those, uh, where, where are we at? Verse 30, if you love those who love you, who benefit to you, uh, for even sinners love those who love them, verse 33. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same, verse 34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward, remember sowing and giving or sowing and reaping, that's today's concept, your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Verse 36, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you good measure, Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be the measure you get back. So it's sowing and reaping, okay? So what's the first thing we read in the first couple verses? The first couple things we read are about this concept of compassion. That God wants us to be compassionate for the world we live in. God wants us to be compassionate about the people we live with. God wants us to be compassionate to the people we don't get along with if you read this passage. Now watch this. Verse 27, but I say to you who hear... Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. So how many people woke up with that concept this morning? I'm just gonna love my enemies and everybody that's done me, done me dirty, I'm just gonna let them get away with it. No, that's counterculture to everything we believe, right? Or at least everything we see on TV. What we see is we're gonna vindicate ourselves, we're gonna get back, we're gonna make sure that we get the upper hand and we're not gonna allow anybody to get the, the best of us. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold a tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And, and, and as you wish that the others would do to you, do, to, do so to them. If you love those who love them, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that? See, there's two words that are intermingled in these passages. You don't see them directly, but that's the definition underneath the scriptures. 
The first word is empathy. How many people have ever heard of the, the word empathy? Okay. The second word in here is compassion. As a matter of fact, it's compassion more than it is empathy. See, empathy is I understand what you're going through. And I may have even gone through it myself. And so I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to walk through this pro process with you. But you know what compassion is? Compassion is I see what's going on in your life. I'm going to walk with you through it and I'm going to do something about it. So I have a bunch of friends here. Jim's one that we we love CR. So, so I, I'm going to celebrate recovery is what we have at our church on Monday nights at 6.30, 6.30, There's a group of people, amazing people that come together and they're just a little bit different than some of us. They have some hurts, they have some, some habits, they got some hangups and they're working on, and they're getting victory in Jesus' name. Somebody needs to say amen. I mean, it is so successful. But here's why, you can clap your hands. This is why I'm seeing it work, okay? I'm not, it's not a bunch of people that are empathetic. It's a bunch of people that are compassionate because they don't just look at them and go, oh, you got an addiction or you got a hurt or you got a habit. They go, you know something? I'm gonna grab your hand and I'm gonna walk through. And if you don't think it's true, this past two weeks, both weeks, I had somebody call me and said, listen, I'm struggling with this one thing. I literally called Mike Key up. I called Alan Berry up and I said, I need you. And Jim, they, they co-lead. I said, I need you guys to, to hold this person's hand. Within minutes, within minutes, they had that person on the phone. Within minutes, they were getting together. together with. That's compassion. That's what God's called us to have. But not just with people that we get along with, because that's easy. It's with people that we don't get along with. We, we see it all through the Bible. See, compassion challenges us to take it a step further. Empathy is a feeling. Compassion is an action. It's something we have to do. And Jesus calls us to a life of compassion. He calls us to a life of action. He calls us to be compassionate with people around. He calls us to be compassionate to people we don't like. So let me unpack this. If you're only nice to people that are nice to you, big deal. That's easy. I, I love hanging out with people that I like. I love Tina. Tina will make you feel like a rock star. This is Tina Sodner. She works for our discipleship team. Tina will make you feel like a rock star. <laughs> I walk in the office, pass the Bobby, pass the Bobby, pass the Bobby. <laughs> but how about people that are not on the cheerleading team for you? The people that blow your Facebook up. The people talk ugly about you. The people that are different than you. Maybe big ways and small ways. See, and, and I love what it says here in verse 34, and if you lend, and right away we think money, don't wait, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lend, like I'm not, I don't think it's just money here. And when you lend to those from whom you expect to receive. What credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the most high for, for he is kind and ungrateful. And I was thinking that all week long, I was going, what do we need to like, because I don't have like, I'm like a lot of people, I don't, I don't have a lot of money. As a matter of fact, I don't have a lot of people that come up to me and go, I need some money. But I have people all the time going, I need to lend forgiveness to. I, I, I need to lend compassion to. I need to lend them, I need to give them some grace. I need, I, need, I need to lend that person just a little bit of time. See, because here's the deal. You want to know the truth? We live in a time that certain people, it's almost considered a value to hate people. It's almost a virtue. Do y'all remember? I'm, I'm 55 years old. I remember growing up in the 60s and the 70s and 80s. And I was, in the 60s, I was in my single digits. In the 70s, I was you know, double digits. But I remember our enemy was on the other side of the world. Our enemy was in Vietnam, our enemy was in 
Iraq. Our enemy was in, 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 in Europe. Our enemy was, was, you know, Korean. Our enemy was all that. It was halfway. It was, but you know what's happened now? Our enemy is in our next door, next door neighbor. Like, like we, we can't even get along in church. Like if I see, if I see another pastor blow up another church, Andrew, you're married, right? Lord he's a protector for you, isn't he? If anybody ever said anything about her, you're gonna, the way it's in the box, you're pulling it out, right? Or turn, not that cheek. Nope, it's not turn to this cheek to get to this one. It's got the, no, it's not that. But nobody's gonna talk about your wife, right? If anybody ever talked about my wife, we would have, I'd, I'd, I'd go all Yankee on them. I, got a, I thought I had a little Italian. I found out through the Ancestry.com that I'm not Italian, so, but I can still pretend that I am. What, what, why, why do we think it's okay to talk about Jesus' bride? Because the church is his bride. And he's going to be presented this bride one day without spot or wrinkle. And for us to have conversations about other churches, about how they, I don't care if they wear jeans. And I saw, saw somebody posted this morning, unequivocally, without a shadow of a doubt, Baptist. What does that say to Methodists? What about Pentecostals? What does that say to Pentecostals? Baptists are only one going to heaven. That's what you think. You know what's going to be really wild when we get to heaven? We're going to see all these people like, what are you doing here? How did you get here? That's the better. How did you go? I believe in Jesus. See, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be known as a Baptist or a Methodist or a Pentecostal or a Charismatic or anything else. You know, I want to be known as a Christian. I want to be known as a faith follower of Jesus Christ, and that's it. See, that's part of offering compassion. As we allow the little things to stay little things, not big things. And see, this is, you know, the bad thing, it's on both sides. We can't, I mean, it's on the both sides of the racial thing. It's the both sides of the political thing. It's both sides of anything that we talk about anymore. Both sides. What if we offered compassion for the other people, the other side, people that don't agree, the people that don't see the way we see? And, and, and then we know there's a reward for it. We just read it. There's a reward. I don't know what that reward is. It's up to God, right? He gives you a reward based on what he wants to give you. But I can tell you, I can promise you this, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be more that you've, more that you've done. So that's the law of sowing and reaping. The second thing is another word. It's the word mercy. And this word can be kind of interjected. You could kind of flip back and forth between the word forgiveness or forgive. Uh, be merciful even as, verse 37, even as your father is merciful, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. I, I, I want to ask three questions. I just want you to think. Just, just think for a second. No, don't talk to your, don't be on the phone. Like, how would our world look today if we were to take the condemnation card completely out of the deck? If we took that, like, we're going to judge you for being, you know, you're, you're this, or we're going to judge you for being that, or we're going to, if we just took that out of the equation, out of the, out of the deck, what, what would happen to our world? What if every opportunity, here's the second question, what if every opportunity we were to say to those who have done us wrong, I forgive you? Now, well, right away, I can hear some of you all, you don't know what happened. I don't. I don't know what happened. And forgiving doesn't mean that you're getting back married to that person. You know what forgiving means? Because here's the problem. You know what forgiveness or unforgiveness is? It's holding somebody captive. And you know who the somebody is? Me. 
I'm holding myself captive. So when I offer forgiveness, I'm literally releasing forgiveness. So what would happen is, you know, what would it look like? I had a, a, a friend of mine a while back that um, probably wasn't the greatest son, and his mom died. And when his mom died, he had all this guilt. And I said, at some point, you're going to you're gonna have to forgive yourself. Well, I can't. I'll never. And so I said, do me a favor. And I've done this several times. Just write yourself a letter. I want you to write yourself a letter, and I want you to, in the letter, I want you to, how much your mom, you know, your mom meant to you, how much you love your mom, and all that kind of stuff. And then I want you to write on there why she would forgive you. And he read the letter, and he gave it to me, and it's, it still sits in my office. I've done this over the years several different times. And I told him, I said, listen, here's the deal. At some point, you have to forgive yourself. There, there's no, you have to forgive, and, and your mother would do the same thing. And bottom line is, Jesus has already done that. Mercy is offering forgiveness. We've seen this over the last couple of years because showing mercy doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable. See, part of forgiveness is holding people accountable because what we want to do is ultimately we want restoration to happen. But we live in what's now known as the cancel culture, that we just cancel everybody if they say anything that's different than us. Now, I'm a, I'm a big golf fan. I don't know if anybody else will watch it. I can't wait this afternoon. Um, Caleb Meeks, who was up here earlier, um, me and Caleb text back and forth on Sundays and we talk about the golf event. So yesterday we were, talk, we were talking about, man, Jordan's, it's so, golf is so much better when Jordan Spieth's in it. And, you know, it's so good. You know, Tiger is going to come to the Ryder Cup. And I'm like, man, this is so exciting. Well, I don't know if you all remember a couple months ago, a guy by the name of um, Justin Thomas, a phenomenal golfer. Um, he, he, he had a homophobic slur that was caught on video. And right away, everybody canceled him. Ralph Lauren, one of his sponsors, Titleist was going to, everybody was, was going to cancel him. And he got, he got up, he, I mean, immediately he knew he said, and I understand, some of you are going, well, Bobby, the Bible says the abundance of the heart. How many people in this room have ever said anything you regret, wish you could take back? How many people have said something to their spouse that you go, that was not me? Okay, and I understand, there's some sin stuff going on, but let's, let's let, right? So they, they all started canceling them out. Well, Rory McElroy, who is, uh, at one point, the number one golfer in the world gets up and goes, that's not who he is. That, that, that's not who Justin is. He, he, he made a horrible mistake. We're not going to justify his mistake. We're going to hold him accountable. And we're going to make him a better man. because of, What would happen in our world if we did the same exact thing? Instead of canceling people out, in, in, instead of throwing them away, I said this to somebody uh, yesterday, and, and you know this to be true. The church is the only organization that leaves its wounded to die. I've watched it with pastors. I've, I've watched it with church people. I've watched it with leaders that have fallen. We just, hey, we're, cancel, we're canceling you. I heard about a national organization this past week that fired somebody because they had premarital sex and they ended up, ended up pregnant. You know what a better opportunity than that? Let's restore. Let, let's, let's, let's walk alongside. Let's do what Jesus did when he caught the adulterous woman where he said, you know something, you've made a mistake. He didn't, he didn't say it wasn't wrong. He held her accountable, offered forgiveness, and walked along. What would happen if we did that with the people around us in our lives? What if we offered mercy? 37 says this, it gives us, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will not be forgiven or you, you will be forgiven. So the first word is compassion. The second word is mercy. And the third word the third word, and I almost didn't do this one here because of this church and the word generosity. And I almost didn't do it because of how generous this church is. And I thought, they don't need to hear this again. 
And then today I was once again promoted, uh, provoked because I walk off the stage and I get an email from somebody going, man, I want to be, I want to be more generous. I want to be more. And this, this isn't about tithes and offerings. This is about time. This is about talent. This is about treasures. And we've talked about this before. Listen to what it says. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, some theologians say it was the priest. They're talking about the priest where they would pull out their, their garment, their outer garment, and they would allow somebody to fill it up and it would fall all over. But actually what this is is a marketing term. And if you own a business, I want you to hear me loud and clear. If you have employees, I want you to hear me. If you're in the service industry, because this is a business model straight from the Bible that I guarantee will change the scope and the trajectory of your business. What he was talking about is they would go into the marketplace and they would have their basket and they would walk up to a vendor and they would say, we need five pounds or 10 pounds of, of whatever it is. Let's say it's barley. And the vendor would fill that up to the top. Now, most vendors would just say, okay, now take it. Now we know this because we're, we're smart human beings that there's still air pockets in there and there's still, there's still room and there's inert material. A good business person would shake it so it would kind of all settle down. And sometimes it would be three or four. It would be two more pounds or three more pounds and it would start to overflow. Now, who are you going back to the next time you need barley? You're not going back to the guy that just gave you the thing that didn't have all, you know, all the air pockets, maybe had some sticks and twigs. You're going back to the guy that shook it up and you got the most for your money. That's what he's saying. When we're generous, we don't just get, we don't get just the basket. We get the basket overflowing. I don't know about anybody else. I want the basket overflowing. I don't want to settle anymore for, for, for bits and pieces. I want everything that God has for me. And in order for that to happen, it means I have to be generous with, with, with everything, my time, my talent, and my treasures. And I said it before, but I'll say it again. The return on the investment, I don't know what it looks like. And it's not always money. It, things last longer. Cars don't break down. How many people know that? Cars don't break down sometimes when you're, you know, your house, so you don't have to paint it. Like all those things that God somehow or another supernaturally changes. And the opposite is also true. When we're not generous, there's a, there's a negative. What's this mean? Time, talent, and treasures. Well, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a visual today. Two weeks ago, this church um, on a Saturday did something called Engaged. And we walked into our community, several hundred people from our faith community here walked into our community and took off their priestly garments and went into the world that we live in as servants. And it was all kinds of different projects. And one of the projects we went to was the master's table where we fed homeless people down there. And these are, these are the least of the least in our community. If you ever go down by Sacred Heart, um, especially at nighttime, I have to go down there a lot of times for weddings, you'll see just homeless people, hundreds of homeless people sleeping underneath the bridge right across the street from Sacred Heart. And so we go down and we, we fed them. And th then we did a couple other projects. Um, we went and did our first responders. That's the next one. And we walked into a lot of the police stations and the fire stations in our city. And we have so many people that are first responders here in our, in our church. So they just brought like cookies and all that kind of stuff. And then we went into, this is called I Care. I just want to push pause on this for a second. I Care is a... a uh, Organization. There's two of them. Um, Kim Walden, one of our own, has one um, that help with human sex trafficking here in Augusta. And I remember years ago asking the question, why would you, why Augusta? And I didn't know this, 
but we are the largest corridor between Savannah, where lots of the people come on ships, lots of the girls come on ships that have been abducted from other countries, and they run them back either I-16 through Statesboro and Macon or I-20 right through Augusta, Georgia. And so a lot of times it's local right here in our city. And this one hit home this morning, and I'm not making this up. I'm telling you the truth, okay? I got re- somebody reached out to us from our church this morning that they have a sister who lives in Texas that was abducted this past week. And they got a text, and it's been confirmed that it's uh, human trafficking, a group out of Mexico. And so I care. we were able to go and help them and furnish some beds for the girls that they take out. And uh, we have a long-term and are developing a long-term strategy with them to be a supporter. And so many of us will be able to do things over there. Some of our check-in people, these are amazing people. Um, the next slide is from Dorothy Hines. And Dorothy Hines is a school, it's a Title I school down in South Augusta. And it's right next to our Sherwood campus. And actually this is what we were trying to do. They're working on STEM, the STEM uh, teaching system down there. And, but they don't have the money. They don't have the money to do anything. So you guys, you guys, because of your generous gifts, week after week after week after week, we were able to build these beds and we were able to plant all these plants and they're gonna teach their kids how to, how to do a sustainable uh, product and, and, and grow vegetables and all that kind of stuff. And then this one here, um, we did some car washes. Uh, we even had kids involved. I know there's all kinds of typos on there. They were, they were going real fast, but the typos. But man, even, even the kids. And then this one was really cool. Um, they went down to uh, uh, Lake Olmstead area, and there's a uh, laundry, uh, what, what do they call them nowadays? Laundry mat, or the place where you clean your clothes. And they offered and gave um, soap and offered and paid for people to clean their clothes. And I thought, that's, that's amazing. I mean, when you think about what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you know, you bring a cup of cold water. Well, we brought dish soap and we brought, that's just cool. It's because you guys, you guys have done this. And then Monday, Pastor Keith Walton um, down on our Sherwood campus told us a story. And it goes back to December. In December, we did our first baptism down there. We baptized our first person. And there's a bunch of kids that have been coming from across the street. They're just a big family. And one of the young boys ran up to Pastor Keith and he said, is the, is the pool going to be here next week? And he goes, that's no pool, brother. He said, that's a baptism. And he goes, what do you use that for? And he said, when people ask Jesus to be their savior, the next step is to publicly profess um, through baptism. And he said, he said, I want you to know I've been praying for you. I'm praying for you. And he said, one day... I'm going to baptize you. And I'm going to baptize your brothers and your cousins, and we're going to baptize all these people in this neighborhood. Well, fast forward a couple, three weeks ago, our student ministry, Journey Students, took a camp, and they did. They took 170 students, high school and middle school students, to Camp Long Ridge, uh, and which blew me out of the water during COVID. Like, that just blew me out of the water. Like, and so they take 170 up there, and there were seven or eight kids from Sherwood that they just didn't have the money. And so we had budgeted some money from the Sherwood, from the Evans Journey students that budgeted. And I started tapping a couple shoulders. And they said, hey, would you mind paying, can you pay like a hundred bucks? These kids gotta go. We never want them, even if you're on the Evans campus, we never want money to be an issue for a student or a child not to go to camp. Like we're getting ready to do JLX, it's free. We're, we're doing, you know, we do our, our JLO, um, in the fall time for kids, little small kids. 
money's never an issue. We're gonna invite Sherwood kids to come to that too. So I think it was eight kids from the Sherwood campus ended up going, and don't you know, one of them got saved. And it was the kid that Keith was asked, is the swimming pool gonna be here next week? And don't you know, he's being baptized right now. He's down at Sherwood about to go into the tank. And I texted Keith just before I walked up here. I texted Keith. I said, Keith, how many? And I think we had three or four. And he texted me at seven or eight now. It's because of you. Because honestly, that ministry down there is not self-supporting. Honestly, if you were to do a cost-benefit analysis, a businessman would tell you to shut the doors. But tell that to the kid that got saved at camp. Tell that to the hundred people that call that home now. It's not about, it's not about dollars and cents. It's about whose name is written on the Lamb's book of life. And that's what we're about here at Journey. And I want to say thank you for your generosity because that kid wouldn't be getting baptized right now if it wasn't for you guys. Let's pray. Let's pray. We've seen it in real ways, God. And maybe even today, maybe there's somebody here today going, you know something, God? I need to cross that spiritual line right there. You're talking about, you know, number one, you're talking about priorities. You're talking about, man, I need mercy. I need grace. I need compassion. In my, I need you, Jesus, in my life. So you have that conversation with him right now. And then after service, come and talk to somebody. Talk, talk to one of the staff members. Talk to somebody over next steps about what that means and how you can make sure you know, you're, you're taking your next step. But for the rest of us, God, we want your name to be made famous in this world we live in. Not my name. It's not about Bobby. It's not about Journey. It's about Jesus. It's about making sure your name is made famous. And we can do it by sowing the right things, investing the right things in our community, investing in compassion and investing in mercy and investing in, 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 in this concept of generosity. So God, I pray, I pray that you would pierce our hearts. I pray that we would continue to make your name famous in the community we live in. Jesus, the name above all other names, that we would get closer to you, that we would take next steps in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Now here's what I want to do. They're getting ready. We're going to turn it over to the, over to the Sherwood campus, and Pastor Keith's going to be down there uh, baptizing those people. I want you to give a thunderous applause for our Sherwood campus and the thing that God's doing down there. I'm going to turn it over to Keith. I'm going to turn it over to Caleb right here. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.